Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tech and Beer. We're live again today from the Celtic Corner in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And this is probably the second most important show you're going to watch on TV this week. Obviously the most important is tomorrow, England, going to get to the World Cup final baby, I believe. And today, Tech and Beer, that's what's most important today. So we're talking to Art Spriggs. Art Spriggs is like IT royalty here in Halifax. Uh, he's been in the game a long time. He knows a lot of different people, uh, a lot about where IT has come from and where it's going. So we're going to be talking about trends and technologies and how technology is uh, influenced, influencing different things globally. Uh, so, hey, Art, welcome to Tech and Beer. Best place I could have been at the time. Let me tell you, there's beer and there's great conversation. That's all it counts. Absolutely. Cheers. 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 What are we drinking today? Well, this is a Spindrift Hurricane. And I've been to the Spindrift uh, facility. IPA. Yeah, IPA. I, um, I went to the facility. I was very, very impressed. They had an individual that sat in almost like a lobby, and they were running the entire brewery. It was a blackout brewery. Like, all they had to do was change the yeast. Yeah. The entire thing was blackout, Fantastic. run by technology. They ran in, got their yeast, went out, but everything else was run on tech. Yeah. So in, incredible. Like, uh, I thought, I'll drink that. So what's your background, Al? Started off in the financial sector. Uh, this was in the 70s, so there's a little bit of an age thing there. But um, I worked for the Royal Bank of Canada, and then I was with Dun & Bradstreet Corp. So I was involved in corporate credit. And then I was very fortunate in the IT industry, as in it was just sort of a budgeting sort of industry at the time. And uh, Cybertech Trading Corporation, which was one of Canada's largest distributors, uh, there was only two at the time. There was Citation Software out of Winnipeg, okay. and there was Cybertech Trading out of Vancouver. And at that time, you have to understand, Intel wasn't the large processor manufacturer. You're talking about Zilog. I, like Atari had 14 different operating systems that were actually for sale. You had the databases were Ashton Tate, DB2. Like there was, the, the, the industry was totally different. And the people that ran it were from away, and they wanted Canadian general management. So I was very fortunate that I entered into the IT sector back in the 80s, early 80s. And the interesting thing was is I entered in at a very, very high level within the industry, but didn't know a thing <laughs> about computing. Not a thing. I had no idea where they were going with this. So, but if one spends eight hours a day within an industry, after 10 years, you catch on. You catch on, yeah, absolutely. So I started to catch on, then I went through and I uh, went through VTech. I was the vice president of VTech for a while. Um, and then I went through to Compact Corp, Hewlett Packard Corp, System now House. with ABM. Yeah, System House was in there as well somewhere? System House, that was just before Compact Corp. Okay. Um, that's when I left working <clears throat> with the um, international companies and came into Atlanta, right. Canada and went with System House. Excellent. And then from there, Compact, HP, and then ABM. Awesome. So. I mean, that's, that's fantastic, uh, you know, breadth of experience that you've got there. And, uh, a breadth of time. Breadth of time, too. Well, time, <laughs> with, with experience comes time, normally, yeah. right? So what we want to talk about today are some of the trends and, and strategies and, and things that we see happening in the global IT market. 
And what, what would you say are the key things that we see from, a, from an IT business perspective that are happening? What should businesses be aware of? What should, what, what should they be looking at? Okay, well, the trends within the industry right now would be, okay, cloud adoption. Yeah. Uh, whether it be private or whether it be public or whether it be a hybrid environment, whether it be a hyper-converged environment where they're changing the dynamics between how that traditional three-tiered architecture works within a data center. You're looking at Internet of Things. You're looking at everything becoming connected because right. basically what you're looking at is the... Um, the fourth industrial revolution is taking place. Right. So you had the first one where you're just getting into the mechanization of things. You're looking at steam power. Yeah. And then that moved on to the, the next revolution that took place, which was your um, work lines and your, you're starting to get a repetitive job functions. Yeah. Ford started off with your production line environments and things like that. And yeah. You started to see electricity coming into play. And then all of a sudden you had the third industri industrial revolution, which was starting to add compute to that whole right. thing. And so your, your compute, your digitization of things. And now the fourth is the connectivity of everything. Yeah. So you have the internet of things. You have machine learning that's predicting things that are taking place because of the, the vast landfills of data that are out there that they can now analyze. Yes. Um, so yeah, so the, the industry as a whole is you have a connectivity taking place now between so many things. You actually yeah. have a, a new revolution coming. It's interesting you talk about, um, or you mentioned there the, you know, the analytics and the big data and the, the analyzation of big things. I was reading an article uh, just this morning and yesterday um, about how like farmers in Ghana, uh, cocoa farmers, are, are using big data to triple their yield. And that there's literally companies out there that are helping farmers that last year produced four bags to make more than that. Like we're not talking big farmers, we're talking small farmers that are benefiting from technology and how technology is being brought to bear on the markets and the industry. So from your perspective, like globally, who's making a difference? Like who's, who's zooming in and, and doing those kind of things? Because I think when I hear those stories, that's amazing, that's changing the world. That's benefiting people's lives in different places. So, And you brought up a, a very good point. Farming is probably one of those things that's probably the most uh, visible, the, the thing that can make the biggest impact. There's, there's vast areas of the world that, that need something different to happen. Mm. So um, I was fortunate enough to attend a conference in the last uh, couple of months and one of the big players there that was highlighted and profiled and I was absolutely fascinated with was out of New Jersey they're called Aero Farms, A-E-R-O-F-A-R-M-S, like Aero Farms. Absolutely fascinating company, changing the world, definitely changing the world. We're looking at a what they call vertical farming. Hmm. So close to the population base, they have a facility, indoor facility. They use aeroponics, not hydroponics, aeroponics. Okay. They use 1% of the land of traditional farming. They use 95% less water than traditional right. farming. 
They use no pesticides and they don't use any genetically modified seeds because they don't need to withstand harsh environments. Right. And they have 390% yields off traditional farming. Wow. That changes the world. Yeah. I can move that anywhere. I can do something with that. Um, I saw an interview recently with Ford Motor Company. Now everybody talks about autonomous driving. Right, okay, so autonomous driving, everybody's, uh, there's no driver, so on. That's not a thing. That, that's going to be a thing, but that's not a thing. Not right now. It, not right now. What we're looking at right now is a process, though. And one of the heads of Ford got up and they went, by 2020, 2020 is not that far away. We're, we're 2018 right now. A couple of years. 2020 is right there. There will be enough technology embedded into the standard Ford vehicle that 90% yeah. of the accidents that occur right now will not occur. They can already reverse park better than most of us can. <laughs> they can certainly reverse park better than I can, um, especially after a nice spin drift. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, um, the Ford Motor Company is doing incredible things amongst others, to embed technology that would make autonomous driving more of a process. Mm. It's not a, um, a leap or a leapfrog into, oh, well, now there's no drivers. Yeah. Now, my son was probably the most <clears throat> insightful when he looked at me, and this was a few years ago, and he said, you know, we're going to look back on today, and we're going to laugh, as I, he says, as I explained to my grandchildren, and when they go, okay, you were traveling down the road in a car yeah. at a couple of hundred feet per second in an intercombustion engine, 3,000 pounds of steel and glass. And how did you stay safe? Don't worry, son. We painted lines on the road. <laughs> and that kind of insight from, from him um, led me to really be interested in what Ford was doing with yeah. the autonomous driving with with accident prevention, with sensors, with so on. And, and then... The autonomous driving yeah. piece has real implications for business too because the trucking industry, I mean, they've, al they've already started making uh, autonomous trucks, semi-trucks that do deliveries, and they've made deliveries on the highway uh, where, the, where the computer's just driving the truck. <laughs> and when you, when you look at you know, the roads here in Canada and the rest of North America, Semis are big, powerful vehicles. They, they're responsible for the, the movement of so much, so many goods and so many um, things that we need. Uh, but they're dangerous. They're definitely dangerous. When, when, when you yeah. have an accident with a semi, it hurts. It hurts, right? Like you're and those are the things probably not surviving. Can be <coughs> mitigated. Mitigated rather than eliminated, but they yeah. can be mitigated to a 90% rate. That's incredible. You look at different technologies that are coming into play, like um, VR technology. They were wondering, like, outside of gaming and amazing movies, um, VR technology is coming into play. Skip Ruzo, with the Institute of Creative Technologies in California, began VR therapy. So he started with a project where he dealt with Canadian and American veterans mm. who were suffering from PTSD. And he realized that in the event that he could use VR, glasses, and so on, to reproduce the point of trauma 
So he would put them back into Afghanistan, he would put them back into the, the yeah. places where the trauma took place and treat them within that space. Right. And that would go well for phobias, that would go well for so many things. Yeah. There's a long list of applications that you could use that type yeah. of VR technology for. So those are some of the things where the world's making a difference. Yeah. The key to it all is, is how do I secure this down? Right. So, so the big trends would be you know, AI, VR. Uh, what do you think of cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin? Okay, that's a that's that is a very okay way. Nice um, <laughs> uh, cryptocurrencies have such a opposing views from from two factions. You have Warren Buffett who will sit there and go, uh, cryptocurrencies are never going to be a thing. Don't put any money into it, and so on. And then you have the other side, which is a foundational concept behind. Uh, blockchain and so on, which is financial institutions are changing the world with. So, is very that's a, that's a diverse one. I don't. I wouldn't personally invest in it, but I'm fascinated at. There really isn't any money anymore. There it's isn't. not backed by a gold standard. There, it is just a transactional yeah. model, yeah. and it is a business model. Yeah. And I think that given the right catalysts that the cryptocurrencies are going to keep maturing into a viable form. Maybe not in their current form, but in a viable yeah. form. And even in that article I was reading that I mentioned earlier about the, the farmers there, they, they talked about how in Russia uh, they, they started using a particular cryptocurrency, which is one I've never heard of before, so I can't remember what it was called. It began with a K. Um, but they were using it for the farmers to trade between themselves. So I think there's lots of applications for it. It's just how it gets rolled out. And, and, and at the end of the day, blockchain is the technology behind it. And that's where the real uh, revolution is, is in how, because that's what powers the cryptocurrencies. That's what allows them to do what they do. Um, so that's and kind I like of, that. That's the kind reason of the I like that thing. is you've got a disruptive technology disrupting disruptive business. Right. Like the rate of change is perfectly explained in that scenario. You have blockchain can disrupt Uber, and Uber was a recent disruption to an entire industry. Yeah. Because you'll no longer need a centralized repository of administration of funds. Yeah. Basically, blockchain in a is just a distributed ledger sheet yeah. that can be validated by lots of people so that everybody gets paid and we don't need the central repository. So yeah. I could have me contact you, you could turn around, drive me somewhere, I'm laughing. Yeah. And you're gonna get paid, everybody's getting paid. Everybody's getting paid. And I like it. Absolutely. So we're approaching a first here in, in tech and beer history. We, we're gonna need another beer. This is, uh, you know, when you have Art Spreeds on your show, you need to prepare for more beer. You know, I was, I, I was talking to uh, uh, a security, uh, a brilliant person in network and security, and that was Glenn Stacy, and he's with Fortinet these days here in Atlantic. Fortunate to have him here. And he mentioned to me that on your show, he wanted to see more beer. More beer. More beer. We can do that. Less tech. We can but do that. We can do beer. whatever. But that, more beer is <laughs> so, very doable. Yeah. So I was thinking more beer. And <laughs> So, back to the tech piece. Yes. <laughs> um, 
we were talking about some of the obstacles and uh, things that happen with technology companies that technology companies that are disruptive, but sometimes run into challenges. And I was thinking uh, a big news story last week. And I always pronounce this company's name wrong. Theranos. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth what, Holmes. Yeah. What, what do you think of that scenario? Okay. So, for those of you that don't know, um, she was like Theranos changing the world. It, like, well, absolutely. Okay. So this was the claim. Supposedly. Okay. So she went to the venture capitalists in the beginning, right? Yeah. And went to the venture capitalists and said uh, she has a technology that she would like to develop that would take. Um, a couple of droplets of blood instead of vial after vial mm. and be able to run full spectrum blood tests. <laughs> and they would be able to do it faster, cheaper, and there was no need for the big needle right. scenario. Just a pinprick and off you go. Yeah. Goes to the VCs, turns around, $700 million later in VC capital and a big hype. Yeah. You gotta have a big hype. If you're gonna get VC capital, big hype. At one, at one point, marketing. she was rated as, like her personal net worth was like $4 billion. Oh yes, absolutely. It's zero yeah. right now. Zero. And yeah. um, <laughs> what she did is she like went, this went over years <laughs> and it kept growing. The company valuation uh, peaked at $9.5 billion. And basically the technology she had was error ridden uh, would not do any of the big spectrum tests, would only actually do one test. Yeah. So there was a perfect example of where the hype of a technology venture capital funded initiative impacted clinical life-threatening situations. Like the Walgreens got into major contracts with her. Uh, you had Safeway pulled out of a deal before they even deployed it, and it cost them approximately $300 million to pull out. Yeah. And she's facing jail. Like, that is a she's been charged. situation. She's like, been charged with multiple counts of fraud, and, uh, yeah, it's... She would actually use real things made by Siemens, real products made by Siemens and other healthcare people to do the diagnostics yeah. while saying the machine sitting right beside it right. was her mini lab. Which, which brings, brings into question, like, we're in a fantastic age for startups and for companies that want to develop disruptive technologies. There's money out there. There's a desire to change and leverage the technologies that are coming out. Um, but like, when you're, when you're a venture capitalist, and you're a company that's starting out, like, how, how do you, like, it's really hard to quantify, if you're, especially in a uh, field like medicine, like she was in, how do you know what you, what somebody's pitching to you works? It's really just hard, it. You've, right? you've like, hit on it, you've hit it right on. Like, I, uh, recently I had the privilege of actually seeing somebody that was a, a huge venture capitalist investor, brilliant investor, was in on the, the, the ground floor of Airbnb, in on the ground floor of Uber, Snapchat, all of them. Like he was right there and did a great job. Uh, you know who he is and uh, by name. And he's also in like part of a venture capital group like uh, A-Grade. And so, oh, and that's oh, what we we're talking We actually about. have some other new biz. Well, yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, he's part of A-Grade right now, which is a 100 <laughs> million dollar venture capital <laughs> group. He's a brilliant guy. And 
he just happens to have been on TV a lot, which was Ashton Kutcher. Our last waitress was much better looking. Yeah, well, I know, but I, that's I not mean. what we got. <laughs> but there's people that probably like him more. Yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so Ashton Kutcher came out, and he was. He mentioned part of the problem, like he, he, he mentioned that like in what you were referring to, when he invests in a company, and he's a brilliant investor, yeah. like his A grades are like a hundred million now, and he's brilliant. And he said that if it sounds plausible, he's not listening. Like when he got involved really? with, uh, he, he needs to make sure that the, if the big players in that industry even hear about it, they will discount it as being not a thing. Mm. So in Airbnb, for instance, like his theory was is okay, so what you're, when they did their pitch to him, he looked at them and he went, so you're gonna, I'm gonna bring in a stranger into my house. Right. <laughs> or I'm going to stay at a stranger's house. Yeah. My wife is going to stay at a stranger's house. My husband's going to stay at a stranger's house. I don't think so. This isn't happening. He goes, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> because if the big boys hear about it, well, keep talking. And that was the thing. So she was involved and, and the industry is involved in a, in a hype-driven infrastructure. And don't get me wrong, that's not wrong. Yeah. But there's no model to compare it to. Right. There's no business model that it'll conform to. Auditing isn't going to have any conformity at all mm. to any previous audit format. And that's what made, and in this particular case with Thalanos and things like that, there was a, a sort of a gray area of clinical testing that they fell into that made that whole thing possible. Mm. But the it's interesting what you say though because you mentioned there about you know changing an industry and you know how he would want it to be from kind of uh, out of the blue to him like not in line with conventional thinking and i've been involved with a couple of startups recently and and they're trying to change different industries like the automotive sector mm -hmm. things like that but it's really hard to be to, to be different so it would also be very tempting for companies that want to be different. And, and maybe their intentions are right, so they, they, they want to change the way an industry works, but they hit like an early roadblock. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. What are we gonna do now? You know what I mean? So well, even businesses kind of today have a doing. hard time even implementing the, the most basics of yeah. technology into their own environments. It's like you have all the new technologies coming out and you wonder how do I adopt them as a business owner, right. as, a, as a business company, how do I adopt these new technologies that people are developing mm. through VCs, through all these things? How do I adopt them fast enough? And that all comes back to what I would call technology debt. Um, you have a, an infrastructure of debt that you have acquired within your company. Mm. And, I, and I don't mean financial debt, I mean um, people debt, so you have resources that are siloed, that only know one thing, you have a server guy, you have a storage guy, you have, yeah. um, you have technology debt that has to be um, reprofiled, repurposed to be broader. You also have um, resources within your own data centers that have to, I have, I have a storage array, I have servers, I, I have networking gear, I have all of these things, but and I have a huge investment in these things, millions, in the processes behind them as well. And the 
and the applications that run on them and the security that protects them. But I would call them legacy even if they are a month old, mm. if they cannot handle the change that's required to yeah. keep up. And that's tough. So you... You make an investment? It's, it's, it's more than an investment. You need new partners. You need mm. new people to come to the table. You need new, well, the new inve thought The investment is not just money. It's, it's time. It's effort. It's people. And people. the resource strength. Yeah. Tell me everybody, like everybody want to stand up in the room that has like raises in their IT budgets for next year. Well, no, it's not happening. And the resource drain is a really interesting one to me because you see like organizations like partners that are out there that say, hey, we're going to partner and we're going to focus on this technology. Well, the moment that technology becomes slightly deficient or slightly replaced by something else, slightly irrelevant, even if it still works like it should do, that opens the door for a new company to come in, a startup or, or a disruptor of some store, so to come in and say, hey, we've got something that's better, something that's new. So as an existing established organization, how do you fight against that? Like, what's the, what's the plan? There, the, the plan is, is, is a difficult one because you do have to start from the ground up and, and you have to assess each workload. You have to be able to say, what is the best delivery method currently for this mm. workload and how do I make it adaptive? Um, it is a process where you're engaging new partners because here's another one of the problems. The, the people that are mandated to guide you through that technology maze also have technology and partner debt where yeah. they're going, I have legacy quotas with this partner that tells me I shouldn't move them to this partner. Right. So it gets very difficult, but a, a company should be starting to look at those technologies, your DevOps, your things like that, that'll allow them to discouple or the, to decouple the, the application from the operating environment and things like that, where they can go, okay, I can be more dynamic, I can change faster, I can do things. Mm. I might need new technology partners. Yeah. Um, but they're gonna to have to rethink the way that they're going to do things and yeah. they have to rethink it every six months. At least. Max. Yeah. And then if I come on the show again, and you will. It'll be every three months. And then it'll be every month. Yeah. It, that's the way it'll go. Technology companies out there, and they're all technology companies now, everything is software driven. Everything is software empowered. Yeah. So that's what they should think of. And well, the, soft, the software, drive, like you can have a tool, you can have a piece of hardware, but the software is what defines the process. The software is how, how do you use that piece of hardware, that piece of equipment that you've got. Um, the software gives you the flexibility, gives you the, the capability sometimes to, to do different things that you might want to do. An owner should just ask that exact question. You hit it bang on. If it's not software defined, think again. Hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure, Mr. Spriggs. Oh, it always is with you. Thanks it's like lunch. It's like lunch every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like lunch every day. Where's, Where's our lunch? The, Where's no, the I'm food? Joking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's been good. It's you know the technology world is ever changing, and um, there are a few people like you that have the the breadth of experience and knowledge to to talk about such a broad range of topics. So I appreciate you coming on, and it's, it's been fantastic. You, I'm sure we'll have you on again. 
and I want to give a shout out to everybody. Uh, thanks for watching and uh, check us out. Follow us on LinkedIn. Follow us on Facebook. And uh, yeah, see you for the next episode, guys.